When the war in Israel broke out in October, <clears throat> we had an immediate reminder of the world's deep need for peace. We watched horrors unfold in front of our eyes, the result of technological advancements that have brought all the raging war of the world right into our living room, right into our pocket. We can see atrocities that have been going on for centuries, but we just couldn't see them all before. It turns out our ability to create a wholly interconnected world has not helped improve our ability to create peace between each other. We just can see the strife more clearly. We long for peace. I long for peace. I wonder about the life sometimes of my grandchildren. When I'm long gone, what kind of world will they face? What will be in front of them? Who will be in control of them? I wonder if I'm doing anything to leave the planet more peaceful than I found it. The statistics in this are not encouraging. I looked them up and I'm not even gonna share them really with you except to say that one study in the year 2000 before COVID and a lot of other things showed that school-aged children had anxiety levels that would have institutionalized children in the 50s. We are, we are living in higher and higher levels of anxiety. We just don't really know it. We don't call it anxiety. We just call it life. We just call it, this is how the world is. It's just all so tumultuous. I have had the privilege, really, of speaking in lots of churches and knowing lots of people within the church. My life has been lived in a great deal inside the church and inside the ALS community. That has been the, the bulk of my world's. And I don't see a big difference in the way we're living out our anxiety and the way the world is living out theirs. And so I wonder about that. In the Old Testament, it often, after Israel wins a big war with a big bad enemy, because they're always facing enemies all the time, and after they win, there's one line in the Old Testament that I love and I long for, and it will say, and the children of Israel had rest on every side. And I wonder sometimes what that might feel like. I've, been, I've had a couple times in my life where I felt like, oh, this, this moment feels entirely peaceful. This moment feels entirely safe and good. And if you ever have a moment like that, that's really awesome. Just don't turn on CNN. Stay away from the news. Don't talk to anybody outside your bubble. Because there's always these circumstances that keep coming in and wanting to blow up our peace. But rest on every side is such a beautiful description of shalom. It's this, this idea that I am surrounded by the safety and goodness of God. How does your life feel right now when you think about that? When you think about what surrounds you, what surrounds the thoughts in your mind, what surrounds your heart, what surrounds your to-do list, what surrounds your checkbook, do you feel like you live in a place where you have rest on every side? Is there a side that feels exposed or vulnerable to anxiety or injury or confusion? The results of life with no peace are serious. They they include anxiety and depression and discouragement and physical illness. They, they include a lot of those things, but also life without peace just usually involves bad decision making. 
You know, like I, I have struggled with fear most of my life and never once in my life have I been frantic with fear and someone has said, yep, she's frantic, but her judgment is on point. She couldn't be making better decisions right now. Nope. I make my, my worst decisions and I say my worst things to other people and I honk my car <laughs> at other people when I am living in anxiety. Anxiety leads to bad decision making and bad decision making leads to less peace than we had before. But Jesus stepped into our world with a big, bold title. In Isaiah 9, Isaiah tells us he is, he gives him these big, bold, giant, mighty names, mighty God, everlasting Father, and then he calls him the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Can you imagine a leader who steps into our world and offers us not just peace, but ever-increasing levels of peace? His kingdom is made of peace. He is made of peace. And this ruler steps into our anxious, broken, worried, weary world and says, you could do this differently. Peace is available to you. But the thing about peace and the Prince of Peace is it's not the Santa of peace. It's not like Santa just drops into your house one night and leaves a bag of peace under your Christmas tree and checks out, see you next year. A prince is a ruler. A prince has lordship. A prince is involved in the government of your life. He's not just fixing the details that are making you anxious. He's inviting you into a kingdom that is made of peace. He's inviting you to move outside of anxiety and worry and fear and into a kingdom where the ruler of it is able to step into that with you and show you another way. The Prince of Peace, whose kingdom is made of peace, doesn't rule with an iron hand. He rules with infinite love. This same prince said to his disciples in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So this Prince of Peace says, the very peace that I possess, I'm gonna leave here with you as I go. You're gonna have access to this supernatural, royal kind of peace. It's not the same kind of peace as the world gives, he says. What kind of peace does the world give? I think the peace the world gives, I'm familiar with it because I do it myself, is made up of systems that I can control. If I can figure out how to create peace in my life, I will do it. I am a three on the Enneagram and I will do it. I will fix my calendar, I will fix my to-do list, I will fix the things that I worry are gonna go wrong. And I have a vivid imagination, so lots can go wrong. So I will make reservations so I don't have to stand and wait for a table. I will do all the things so that I can create a system of peace in my life. My people, my menu, my home, my security, my retirement. I wanna create systems. We can build, put better alarm systems on our homes 
to give us peace. We can buy a guard dog to give us peace. We can build a lot of systems to try to create external circumstances that give us internal peace. But what happens is then we have to maintain those systems. Then we have to guard those systems. And the king of peace says, I come to disrupt systems. To disrupt the systems that keep you leaning on anything else. The people of Israel thought that Jesus would come and restore order to their political system. He thought, they thought that he would come and build a bigger army and stockpile more weapons and put Israel on top of the map again, make them a superpower. And Jesus came in low and he came in humble and he came to disrupt that very system so that they would understand that the peace he gives is true peace, it's true shalom, because it's not dependent on who's in the White House, it's not dependent on who's the king in the castle, it's not dependent on the economy, it's not dependent on the public school system, it's not dependent on war in the Middle East, the peace he gives is lasting and it is outside the reach of the things that make us wanna not be able to sleep at night. That's real peace. These systems will put peace within the reach of my own control. I always think it, but it never ends up being true. Even in our relationship with God, we wanna figure it out. How do I make sure I know the rules? How do I make sure I stay inside the lines and keep God on my good side? How do I build systems that will bring me peace with him? There's this weird little story in Matthew. It's Matthew 22. Where the Sadducees come to Jesus, and the Sadducees, they're smart guys. They know every letter of the law. They know all the rules, like the back of their hand. And they come to Jesus with a hypothetical. And they say, hey, so a woman's husband dies. And according to the law, she's got to marry the husband's brother. So she marries the husband's brother, and they don't have kids. And that guy dies too. And then she marries his other brother, and that guy dies too. And this poor, unlucky woman goes through seven brothers and has no children and no husband, and then she dies. And the really important question is, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? That's the important question. Help us figure out your system. And Jesus says this thing to them. He pulls no punches here. He says, you are wrong. You are wrong because you know neither the scriptures or God's power. You don't even understand the system. There's another time when the Jews ask him, is it okay for us to give money to Caesar? Should we give money to Caesar? It's God's money. Why give it to Caesar? And he says, give to Caesar what Caesar's. Give to God what's God. Jesus says to them, that's not our system. The money thing is a different system. Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. I can make you more. Live in peace. So Jesus tells them they're looking to build a system that they can control in front of a God they cannot. You will never find peace in creating a God after your own image. You will never find peace in domesticating his power because he is always willing to come in and upend our pre-existing systems in order to show us the only way to true peace. If we put our faith in a system, especially a religious system, then all of our energy will go into maintaining that. <clears throat> I had a friend who took his son on a missions trip when his son was about 12 years old, 
And while they were there, they went to a Hindu temple and they happened to get there at the time when all the cleaning ladies came out to clean all the idols. There were like hundreds of idols in this temple all displayed. And they happened to get there right when they were there and cleaning all the idols. And my friend asked his son, Josh, what do you think about this? And Josh thought about it for a minute and then he said, I don't think I could worship a God that I had to dust. <laughs> you can't. If, if, it's, if it's a religious system that is up to me to keep it defended and clean and propped up on its pedestal, I will never know peace. I can't worship a God that I have to maintain. I worship the God who maintains me. Revelation is a beautiful passage that feels so right for this, the second Sunday of Advent. The Apostle John wrote it. He says this, this is the revelation of Jesus. I'm not gonna make it through this passage. There's no way. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. May grace, God's unmerited favor, be granted to you and spiritual peace, the peace of Christ's kingdom from him who is and who was and who is to come and from Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy witness, the firstborn of the dead, the first to be brought back to life and the prince of the kings of the earth, to him who ever loves us and has once and for all loosed and freed us from our sins by his own blood and formed us into a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the power and the majesty and the dominion throughout the ages and forever and ever, amen. This is not a system John is having to keep propped up. This is a system that is entirely outside of his power and control. And then he goes on to describe the power of God in the most beautifully expansive way. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, he who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, the ruler of all. The vision in Revelation describes a God whose power breaks through every system, whose power is so far over and above our own that any illusion of control looks ridiculous by comparison. We have a grandbaby who's 18 months right now, and he's got a lot of big uncles who chase him around the house, and Liam will grab an ornament off the Christmas tree or something, and he'll start to run, and the uncle will chase him and pretend that it's a fair chase. And I watch it just thinking, oh, buddy. He, and he's running, thinking, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm doing this, I'm controlling the ornament. And you're like, nope, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose to the uncle eventually because you're little. Just enjoy being little. And that's us. We sometimes think, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm controlling my family, I'm controlling my kids, I'm controlling my checkbook, I'm controlling my politics, I'm controlling my theology, I'm controlling all the things. And then there's a God who Jeremiah says is always chasing after us, saying, you could just come to me. Come to me. What if we asked our great God to fill us with new thoughts? I had a pastor who said, fear is the misuse of the gift of imagination. Our imaginations run wild with what could be. Um, if you've ever had a kid come home an hour late, you know 
what your imagination can do. Our imaginations run wild and they become filled with despair and all kinds of things that could go wrong, might go wrong, what would happen, how would I do it? But what if we open up our imaginations to the influence of the Holy Spirit? What if we said, fill my imagination with the beauty of who you are? I love the song we sang this morning, Behold. I think Jamie wrote it. And um, a lot of the songs we sing here, Jamie and our team have written. You know what that is? That's the product of opening up their creative imaginations to hear things and pictures about who God is and share them with us. If we start to say, God, I want my imagination to be redeemed by who you are. I want my imagination to be filled with hope for what could be. What if we asked him to step in constantly through the Old Testament, constantly? God is showing up to the children of Israel and he says, rehearse, remember what I did. Remember when I split the Red Sea? Remember the fire and the pillar? Remember the manna? Remember all the plagues? Remember how I kept you? Keep that in your mind and then you can start to imagine what could yet be. If God has carried you this far, then you've got the basic toolbox to have an imagination that is filled with what he could do next. And this can bring us peace, a shift in our perspective from what could go wrong to what might God do. A shift in our perspective from God who drops peace into my life like Santa's gift bag or God, the Prince of Peace, who invites me into a kingdom where even the upside down things end up bringing me closer to who he is. Lately, I've been just reminding myself that I live under the governorship, under the rulership of the Prince of Peace. And I've been doing it in the morning as soon as I wake up. And I've been doing it at night, right before I go to sleep. And I've been saying, God, fill my imagination with what could happen in our country if we started to understand your love. What might be? What could happen in a world if everyone had clean water? What could happen if orphans begin to be adopted at record rates? What could happen if we found a cure for ALS? What could be if we invited the Prince of Peace to step into our world and bring us peace, even in the middle of all the gross stuff? What could be? Fill my imagination with your dreams for my world. Fill your imagination with your dreams for my life. Fill my imagination with your dreams for before and Beaverton and all that is going on inside of this little neighborhood of his kingdom. What could be? Our perspective on his power will ultimately determine our perspective on ourselves and our spot on the timeline of human history. Walter Brueggemann says this, it is a sobering admission of Advent to recognize that we are not the alpha. We are not the beginning point, not self-made, not self-sufficient. Before us and behind us is the power for life that is pure gift to be received in trusting gratitude. It is an equally sobering admission of Advent to recognize that we are not the omega. We are not the ending of it all. It's not like the timeline of human history started over here in the Garden of Eden and it's come up, 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 up to right here where we live on the edge of it. 
There's a whole timeline out in front of us as well. We just occupy this little scratch on the timeline. And I've heard a lot of people recently saying, oh, it's getting so bad, Jesus is gonna have to come back. It's never been worse. We've never been more persecuted. It's never been more immoral. It's never been more anything. You know what? It has been worse. It has. It's also been better. Doesn't matter. We're called to this one. This is our spot. We're called to here and now. This is our place. Are there cities that are more are cooler than Portland? Yeah. Are there cities that are less disruptive than Portland? Yes. But as far as I can tell, we're called to this one. And so we're called to bring the gospel of peace to people who are caught up in such debilitating anxiety that suicide is one of the number one killers in America. That makes us distinguished from every other country in the world. We ought to be living in a different kind of peace. And I think we have access to it. When we start to see the power of God that goes before and is now and has been behind us all the way. A life of peace, peace that transcends our systems or our politics or our disappointments or our fears about the future. Peace that has gone before and is here and is going ahead. I know I tell stories about terminal illness a lot and I would apologize for it, but it is where I have learned the most about God in my life. Um, so the day my husband was diagnosed with ALS, we had a really wonderful time together as a family. We clinked our glasses to life and we said, we're gonna be ambassadors to the ALS community. God has called us to this. And there was a little bit of an interesting euphoria around that moment. And I was like, this is, we got this. And the next morning I woke up and I called into work and they're like, you're crazy, don't come to work. I said, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good. And I went to work and I found myself around 10 a.m. literally face in the carpet in my office, just sobbing out my whole heart to God saying, you got the wrong girl. I can't do this. I cannot do it. I can't watch my husband walk this road. And in the middle of honest, this kind of wailing, I heard these words, almost like the tick, tick, tick of a train coming. And it was every minute, every minute, every minute, every minute. And I was like, what does that mean? Does that mean he'll be with me every minute? Because I'm in a minute right now and I don't like it. And then I sat up, got the snot off my face, sat with my computer and I started writing. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, as clearly as I've heard him, I have already been to every minute you will ever face. And I've created provision there for you. You won't see it now, but you'll see it when you get there. And now standing on the other side of that journey, I see it. I see God's fingerprints of rulership and lordship over all the minutes that I faced that I thought I couldn't do. I see how he had gone before me to make a way for me, to make a table in the presence of my enemies, to make a, a, a place of comfort when I thought I couldn't stand, to bring refreshing, to bring friendships, to bring people who loved me, to step in his own self. God who was, who is, 
and who is to come is the power that we need to live in peace. This, my friend, is not up to you. You can participate. You can set yourself, your lives up in ways that help. But true peace, ultimate peace, only comes from the Prince of Peace and it only comes as we step into his kingdom of peace. So I wonder, are there some systems you need to let go of in order to shift your dependency to the Prince of Peace? Maybe with your kids, maybe with your money, maybe with your own plans for your future, maybe with your education, maybe with your, I don't know, are there some systems that you could lay down today and you could say, I surrender my systems to you. Maybe there's some systems you can hold on to, but you just can't lean on them quite so hard. Would you take a minute where you are and just ask the Holy Spirit, is there something you wanna disrupt in my life today? Beautiful Jesus, as we set aside this month to particularly celebrate your arrival, we thank you for your name, Prince of Peace. We thank you that you didn't come to strengthen our walls around us of safety or to strengthen our systems. You came to disrupt them so that you could be all in all, the God who was and is and is to come. We thank you that you are for us and we thank you that you have answers and life and companionship and you can step into the war that we are fighting today. We love you, we trust you, and we worship you. In your name we pray, amen. Um, the prayer people are gonna be up front and I would love for you to pray with them if you need to before you go. This is a high anxiety season and I get it. But I've asked them when they pray for you, if you say, I just really need peace, I've asked them also to ask you, is there a system you feel God disrupting in your life? So that you can say, I'm, I'm identifying this thing and I think God is doing something in me. So will you stand with me? Next week, we've got an all-family service. These are my favorite services that we do. They are the most fun. They are not the most quiet but they are the most fun. That's why Alex is speaking because they are not the, it's an attention span situation and Alex is great at that. Um, so we're gonna have pancakes and a kids choir, kids dressed in Christmas clothes. If you miss it, I don't even know what to do with you because this is the best thing. Live music in the comments, it's gonna be great. Today, we also have a jazz band in the comments and there is hot chocolate out there. And today is a day that was made for hot chocolate, if ever there was one. Okay, if you would like to receive the benediction, would you put your hands out in front of you? May you be people who invite the power of God to upend your systems and refocus your perspective. May you see him as the Prince of Peace, bringing his kingdom here to our world as it is in heaven. In the name of the one who was, who is, and is to come, amen. Go in peace, we love you so much. We'll see you next weekend.